Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. We just finished up last week. We finished up our uh, our, our relationship series, Relationships, and uh, we talked about mentoring last week, which was a, a fantastic sermon, actually. I strongly recommend you go check it out. And, uh, and you get that dynamic at work in your life. I mean, I, I personally have. I've benefited from, from having uh, mentors. And uh, it's just a really, really wonderful thing that we have advantage of at this church and in the body of Christ. The relationships that we have with one another is so good. So uh, definitely check that out from last week. This week, as you'll see, moving into the screen, we're going to start the Great Divide. Easter is still happening. Nobody canceled it. It's still going on. There's still a good news message that we have, and and I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about, some of the differences between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And oh my goodness, that is really, really, really important right now to to really wrap our heads around the benefits that we have, the blessings we have as New Covenant believers, and what the blood of Jesus has made available to us now. It's it's, it's actually a real time to double down in the grace of God. That's good. Amen. That's how I do doing my own road crew. Sue, did I do a good job? Thanks, Sue. You're the best. All right. So here we are. So we, I got to do my own PowerPoint today, too. So I don't know which camera to look at or who we're looking at. But love you guys. I tell you, just miss doing church together. But I'm so glad we get to connect this way. So send us an email. Send us a picture of you doing church with us. It just make me real happy because the extroverted me is just just feeling it right now. But Zach, you're a, you're a total introvert. So you good with that? Or this what? is amazing, Pastor. Is it, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Introverts. We've all been waiting for this. That's funny stuff. Well, we are starting a new series, as Zach said. It's called The Great Divide. And, uh, you know, when, when the cross happened, I mean, the, the cross, the, the finished work of the cross, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ, I mean, something absolutely shifted once and for all that, you know, we all got to own and we all got to know what that's about. Because there's a lot of people who don't understand the divide. It was sharp. It was powerful. It, it had precision. And it was once and for all. And there was a great divide, a great separation that took place with the finished work of the cross. And we got to know, you know, what side of the cross we live in because a lot of people are living in both ends. They're living in a realm of mixture. You ever seen somebody living in mixture? I have, Pastor. And, and you know what? Just like you said, right now is actually a really important really time important. to get this. Really important because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of struggle to understand what's going on. What, what's happening in the world? True. What, are the t- what, what is going on? And you need to approach that in the proper covenant. Because so if true. you're approaching that in the wrong covenant, yeah. you're using archaic weapons to try to understand what's happening today. So true. And, and you know, I, uh, I, back when we transferred over here and bought this building, it was a mess. And so I was trying to help out and do what I could. But my hands are painted on. They're not really useful for much. But I still... I did a lot of work. I really gave it. And one morning I came in for prayer and we were in for a six o'clock prayer meeting and uh, it ended up just being me that day. So I was like, well, I might as well start doing, I saw these guys building walls with this, uh, you know, these steel studs and and they just drilled these things together. And so I thought I'll cut some studs and build some walls. And and I was cutting studs, put them together. I was trying to drill the wall together. I was trying to drill the metal together. And man, I could not get it to go in. The guys in the neighborhood, wink, 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 going right in. 
And I was like, and finally, these holes, they, it was just, it was a mess. I got a hole, I got the screw in, but it was ugly, and it was rickety, and uh, my wife came in shortly after, and she said, what are you doing? I said, man, I built this wall. She said, that's a mess. I said, oh, come on, honey. I mean, I was trying really hard, you know, and, and then she took the drill out of my hand, and she went, click, and I went, what did you do? And she said, I, I took it off reverse. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a reverse on a drill. I had no idea. Isn't that wild? So I was trying to build a wall with a, a drill on reverse, and I did it. But that's like people living in an old covenant reality. I mean, if you, we got a new covenant. We got new tools. We, we got new position. We got new status. We got new identity. We got all those things. And there's people still pulling old tools and using old stuff out of an old covenant context and trying to get results in a new covenant reality. And that's just frustrating. Yes. That's just going to lead to intense frustration. Yes. But uh, when you really wrap your head around what Jesus has done and, and get some revelation, like the Bible says in Ephesians 1, right, that the eyes of your heart would be opened. Flooded. When you see that, yeah. when you get flooded with the revelation yes. of what Jesus did on the cross, Boom. the powerful, the, the shedding of his blood, the resurrection, oh my goodness, wow, we're, we're not victims in this scenario. It's not the church victims. is moving forward. We're advancing because we've got access to the powerful tools that Jesus it's provided the truth. for us. It's the truth. Amen. So I just want to bring your attention to this though here's another thing all right in the midst of all of this we're still moving we're moving i just want to bring that slide up one more time to make it clear to you that imagination and articulation equal manifestation and you know imaginations are things that haven't been seen yet and your dreams and the things you're hoping for nobody else gets it people may not get it today but yes our building is sold conditions are going to be removed on april 15th we also have another person looking at the building today so we have somebody else and they might give us a better offer we got full price all ready, but we got somebody else coming in who may want to buy the building, and, and we told them, look, we're sold, got full price, but you can come see it. We're welcome to taking more money from someone. That is okay, and, and you can bless us with more to move on, but we are. Several things we're looking at. One, we're dealing with a couple of design-build people right now. We're also looking at leasing and buying some property and, and transitioning into a new place, maybe in a period of five years, but leasing a, a really turnkey, beautiful facility. And the other thing is, we got a couple opportunities with properties right now. One we're looking at, it's got 105 acres. We could do like a, a full global outreach center on the whole thing. But there's a lot of things we're looking at. We want to keep you abreast of what we're doing. And uh, things are going really, really good for us here at Impact Church. So uh, keep praying into that. Keep, keep This is a time not for us to survive, although we are going to survive. I'm not saying we're going to survive. But it's not just surviving, it's thriving. And this is an opportunity to just go big. So I do apologize. Our screen are a bit wonky on uh, Facebook and things like that. We had a part coming in so we could stream on all kinds of platforms at the same time this week. We were ready to put it in on Friday and then UPS didn't deliver. So so anyway, so we had to make things fit today, but we're hoping to have a, a full studio and things all ready to go up uh, for next week. Amen? But Amen. it's New Covenant. So we're going to have some new realities, some new, some new things. And I got to run my own PowerPoint. Man, I got a lot of stuff going on today. Look at this. John chapter 1, 17. For the law was given through Moses. In fact, it says Moses. In Romans, it talks about the fact that angels got the law and the angels gave the law to Moses. It was transmitted to Moses. The law was given through Moses, but grace. Say grace. 
Grace. grace. It was grace and truth. And that, that came, that word is all of it's a package. It's all together. It all came through Jesus Christ. You can't separate those things. I love another translation it says his grace and his faithfulness, his faithful grace, his truthful reality of his grace came into manifestation and grace came through Jesus Christ. So there are two covenants. The first was a covenant that, that had a covenants. It had so many, it had sacrifices, it had moral laws, it had ceremonial laws and all those things. It was an old covenant and it was a covenant where a lot of the sacrifices were the the blood of animals and and there was a covenant made in that way but this is a new covenant and Jesus made and it's a covenant that was made in Jesus own blood so God cut a covenant with God it's not us trying to get things from God it's not we have a deal with God if we behave right we get a blessing no you see God cut a deal with God you were left out of it God and God made a deal so that you would be blessed in every way and the only way you get it isn't through behavior modification or being a good person. The way you get to walk in new covenant realities is by believing that God and God cut a deal and by faith you get to say, I'm in. And it's a covenant of grace, the unmerited, flowing, unceasing favor of God. Amen. Wow. 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 All we got to do is believe. You just got, faith. All you got to just believe. Faith. That's so good. I'm, I'm really drawn to the word but there, Pastor. I yes. love that. For the law was given through Moses, but. But. But something else happened. Something Jesus happened. came and brought something totally distinct and totally different. And just like you said, you know, when we're, we're looking at what's going on in the world right now and we're trying to apply a solution. Yes. Uh, well, wow. Jesus has already done it for Already us. done it for He's us. He's already done it. It's wow. good stuff. So we it's got a so new good. covenant. So we want you to know the great divide. So I was thinking, I really, really, I, in uh, school, when I was a kid, I used to enjoy history, enjoy geography, and I enjoyed, you know, how people, explorers and people went out. But I remembered when I was thinking about the sermon about the great divide, and you know, I got a map up here. I don't know if you can see it or not, but that red line is literally, it, it's called the Great Divide or it's called the Great Continental Divide. And you see, that divides the whole North American continent from top to bottom. Now, what's insignificant about that divide? You see, in that Great Divide right there, if a drop of water were to come down in the Rocky Mountains right at the Great Divide, that drop of water, if it fell on this side of the mountain or that side of the mountain, just one little fraction, if it fell on this side or fell on that side, wherever it fell, it would either flow to the Atlantic Ocean or it would flow to the Pacific Ocean. So there was an absolute line. And I mean, if it fell on this side, it couldn't go back over to that side. It's on this side. And so there was a great divide. And so whatever falls, whatever precipitation falls, whatever comes down, if it's on that side, it's going to the Atlantic. If it's on that side, it's going to the Pacific. And you know, I was thinking about that. I said, there is a great divide. And you know, by faith, we fall on the side of a new covenant. By faith, we have stepped over. We're not in the law anymore. We have stepped over into a new covenant with new laws, with new blessings, with new privileges, and all those fine things. So we want to make sure in the next several weeks you fully understand this great divide and you understand what it means for your life practically, theologically, and in every single way. So uh, they had a dividing point, right? You remember when you were in school, was it BC, AD, or did they do the BCE? We still did BC. You still did BC, I guess. They changed it now. They do BCE and CE. So, so that's the, the common era and before the common era. But you know, back in the, my days, it was BC and AD, and it was it was before Christ, and some would say after death. But actually, it wasn't after death. It was Anno Domini, which meant the year of our Lord. And a lot of people thought, well, that's not nice. There's a lot of other faiths, and we can't do that the year of our Lord. But you know, it really was. I mean, we recognize that history, time 
was completely divided at the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. There was something so powerfully shifted that we literally, our calendar has acknowledged that something significantly changed during that time. So it's a dividing line in history. Now we're going to go through a bunch of verses, and I got Zach here because they didn't want to be alone, and Zach's going to interject and interact. We're going to do a bit of a Bible study together, and I want you to get this, all right? So John 5, 39 says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to me. Why is that an important verse, Zach? What's that all about? Well, I think, first of all, scriptures there that Jesus is referring to is the Old Testament. Yes. He's talking about the law. He's talking yes. about the Torah. He's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. He's talking about all the prophets. Yeah. And uh, so he's saying that actually the, the whole point, the purpose of all of those scriptures yeah. that, that the, the Hebrew people had built the law around and built a whole national identity around. He's like, you know what? Actually, the whole point of all of that is that that's meant to get you ready for me. Yes. It's, it's, it's meant to help you so that when I actually showed up on the scene, you'd be able to recognize right. me. And that's the point of it. And there, there's so many different uses of, of the law, of the prophets. But Jesus said, actually, this is how to make the most sense of it. Right. This is their supreme purpose. And when you're using it properly, this is what it's going to do exactly. for you. So the, the whole purpose of those writings was to point to Jesus. And the very people that were the scholars, the people who were into it, the people who were considered the, uh, the experts of the law at the day, he's saying, you guys are looking for eternal life, and you're looking for it in the scriptures. You're looking for those. He says, you're trying to find eternal life, but there's another but, Zach. You see that? But, but the scriptures point to me, because you're saved through Jesus Christ. You're saved through what he did on your behalf, and you're saved through the living word. So we got to get that. We got to get that. So the old covenant's whole purpose was to point to the fact that there's something new coming. Pay attention so that you'll see it when it comes. And these folks didn't recognize it. So the story of the New Testament or the new covenant, it begins in Matthew 1.1. The story begins. The transition begins. The whole narrative surrounding this transition begins in Matthew 1.1. But... It was not, uh, I say it was now, but it was not, sorry about that, it was not put in effect until Jesus' death. It was not put in effect until Jesus' death. So a lot of people read Matthew 1, 1, oh, I'm in the new covenant. No, you're just in the story. You've just entered into the narrative. You entered into the transition period where the new covenant is being introduced. But during the Last Supper, Jesus said this, Luke twenty two twenty. there at the Last Supper, he said this. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus, I love the book of John because it spends so much time in the upper room discourse. And you see, in the upper room, Jesus was telling them, okay, guys, everything is going to change. Everything is shifting. I am now instituting a new covenant. And we practice the sacrament of communion. We practice that because we are remembering and we are revisiting the fact that we are a new covenant community. And we're remembering that it's the, the death and the body, the blood of Christ. It's his death, burial, and resurrection, which changed everything in our world. So during the last supper, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. There's a new covenant. Once and for all, Jesus did something different. Tell me in the upper room, Zach, what do you think? What are the things that you think shifted? What do you think changed? Oh, wow. In the, in the upper room, uh, Jesus told them, you're going to get a new way to pray. True. He said, you know what, this changes everything in yes. terms of your approach to God. Yeah. He said, you know what, before, you know, you've got all these, these rituals and rites and these particular prayers and stuff like that. And, and then in the, in the upper room, he's like, you know what, I'm going to give you my name. 
And uh, they were going to come to understand that because of what he was going to do on the cross and the blood that he shed, it was going to give them free and unfettered access to the presence of God. So are you telling me that before that they'd never prayed in the name of Jesus? I don't think they had. They never I don't had. either. No. 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 In fact, so, he said, you've never done this before. Yep. Something different happened. Yeah. Something something totally new. They, they had a, a, a way to pray that was going to actually, he promised them results too. He said, you're going to get results like you've never got before. And you've got access to God like you've never had before. He said, you know what, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to give you something that you've never had before, too. He said, I'm going to give you my peace, and I'm going to give yes. you my Holy Spirit. Yes, that shifts everything. I mean, God God could not be in them. He said, said it was always an external relationship, God. But now he says, from now on, I'm going to make you my habitation. So, so what happens when people take old covenant prayers, though, and they're using old covenant patterns to try to get new covenant results? Well, in the, in the New Covenant, um, we, first of all, we have access to God through faith in Jesus, through his blood, and we are guaranteed results through faith in the name of Jesus. And when we use these old tools and these old formulas, then it, it actually results in impotence and frustration because I, th- I think God's just kind of like, hey, you know what, guys? I've, I've already done this for you. Yeah. I've already given it for you. I've already given it to you. Now you go and declare. You go make stuff happen, basically, by the power that I've given you and invested in you. True. And sometimes I think if, we, if we're constantly uh, filtering our prayers and our expectations from God through an old covenant lens, we're, we're actually uh, trying to make something happen that already has. Right. We're failing to grab hold of something that's actually yeah. right in front of yeah. us. And then we're wondering why we're not getting results. Right. And the yeah. things that we're trying to overcome in prayer, Jesus has actually already overcome. I know. We're trying to overcome the things that keep God from our world. And Jesus did that. Jesus eliminated any differences. He eliminated any separation. There's no distance between me and God anymore. In the new covenant, there is zero distance between me and God. In fact, now I have union with the Godhead. I'm in him and he's in me. He said, from now on, you have become my fixed dwelling place. So I don't have to get God out of heaven. God's got to get out of my belly. But I mean, if I'm praying old covenant prayers, that's like me trying to build a wall with my drill on reverse. And I'll get frustrated because I'm not seeing the results I want to see because I'm operating out of the wrong covenant. And if you drop on that side of the great divide, you're going to flow in the wrong way. You need to flow in the spirit. You need to flow in the finished work of Christ. You need to flow out of your authority that's in him by faith. Got to do that. So it's important stuff. So my will and testament doesn't go into effect until I die. So if there's two wills, then the will that is the newest, now that's generally the one that's in effect. If there's an old will, but we got a new will, I mean, generally, when I make a new will, the lawyer says all other wills are void. All other things previously are gone. Mm -hmm. And so a new will renounces all preceding wills. So for that to happen, somebody's got to die. And you see, that's why Jesus was saying, I mean, before the cross, he was introduced the new covenant. Before the cross, he was talking about a time that's coming. Before the cross, he was sharing, this is where we're headed. But at that upper room, he said, guys, this is on now. And here's your reality is going to shift. You're going to step into a whole difference and a whole different realm of relationship with me. So when Jesus died, that's when that new covenant was placed into effect. So Jesus' teachings then were a time of transition. So a lot of things, Zach, a lot of stuff that Jesus taught was a bit of a mixture. It was it was declaring things to come and declaring kingdom attitudes that are in both uh, covenants, but it was also, he was still ministering to people out of an old covenant context. 
True, he came as a man born under the law. Yes. In order that he could redeem people who yeah. are under the law. So yeah. a lot of his teachings was, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking, I don't know if you got this in your notes later, Pastor, but about uh, some of the Beatitudes. True. You know, or the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is saying things like, you know what, if, you, if your right hand causes you to sin, like cut it off or, or pluck your eye out or something yeah. like that. And uh, I, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of people who take that too seriously in the I sense know. that we actually yeah. really do that. If you thought that was New Covenant, then there's way too many people with both eyes still, right? True. So there should be a few lame people. So clearly Jesus was using a hyperbole and going to high ends, or as some people say, he, he was preaching the law on steroids so that we would all cry out, oh my goodness, and say, you know, we all need mercy. We all need mercy. And that's important. So one thing I did put in is Luke chapter 10. I love this because a lawyer, one of the legalists, one of the guys who understood the law, he comes to Jesus and he's saying, teacher, what shall we do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, here's what Jesus said. Now listen, what is written in the law? Say the law. What is written in the law? He said, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? How do you see it? So he answered and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Jesus said you answered rightly that that's exactly what the law says. Say law. That's what the law says. So Jesus said, yeah, that's exactly what the law said. Why? Because he was under the law, preaching to those who were under the law. It was an old covenant. So he said, do this and you will live. So quite honestly, if you, with all of your strength and all that you have, I mean, you love God with everything and you love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus is saying, go ahead, knock yourself out. Give that a try. How do I know, Pastor? How do I know that I've done that? Well, I don't know. How I do mean, I know what all looks like? I, I wish I had all my strength meter that was on the side of my head and yeah. I could know that I'm full on every day. I wish I had all my strength, all my heart. I wish I had something on me that measured, am I in the all realm? You know, or have I slipped out of the all realm? How do I know that I'm fully hot all the time? What if we had a meter that we could put on other people? I know. <laughs> we could you say you're loving, yep. you're really not. That's uh, a, I mean, wow. I mean, what Jesus is saying is the standard is so high. Knock yourself out, give it a go. And clearly, this fellow was thinking and pondering because it says then, wanting to justify himself. See, that's what a lot of us want to do, right? I want to prove that I'm worthy of an audience with God. And that was the lie right from the pit of hell in the beginning. Don't you want to be like God? That's what the devil said to people who are already like God, who had an open heaven access to God. There's something better. There's something more. If you push a little harder, all your strength, all your... That's the law, folks. And yet a lot of New Covenant teachers, and I hear a lot of people still quote that, well, you know, here's what the book of the law says. It is the law, exactly. It's what the law says. He wanted to justify himself, so he said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? In that case... Who is the guy that I'm supposed to love? And Jesus went and told the story about the Good Samaritan and just rocked their world because he's trying to show these guys what he's trying to tell them is the law cannot and is powerless to help you. And yet today, we got a lot of New Covenant teachers. They're supposed to be New Covenant teachers. They're preaching the law to people and putting a yoke on them that they could never perform. 
Is that true? I think it is, Pastor, and I think that it's important to note, too, that a lot of these times, too, Jesus is talking to people who are who are highly religious, who had a very good claim on being yeah. able to say, you know what, I was able to keep good. the law. Yeah. Like Paul, yeah. isn't in Galatians where he says, yes. or Philippians even, he says, you know, as far as keeping the law, I was blameless. He blameless. Wow. So these guys would have thought to themselves, you know what, I'm actually pretty good at this. Yeah. So Jesus had to come along and, and talk to these people who thought they could do it on their own yeah. and actually direct their attention to, hey, you know what, it's not actually just what's going on on the outside. He's like, you look great outside, yeah. but inwardly. So yeah. then he says things like, you know, it's been said, you know, if you, uh, if you look some, you know, if you look at somebody in right. the wrong way, that's wrong. He's like, I'm telling you, if you're thinking bad yeah. thoughts or something, you know, if you actually commit yeah. something versus how you yeah. think, if you, if you say somebody's a fool or you harbor right. anger internally and yeah. you just kind of, hey, I haven't it. murdered anybody, so I'm okay. But I then he jacked either. it up to hatred. True. True. I mean, the root of that is hatred. So he's trying to get to the root that you're broken on the inside. Yeah. You know, and he's trying to get to that root. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the I law, love that. The law is just a band-aid on the outside. It, it can is never a actually do that. And 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 unfortunately that's kind of what happens when you commit to the law. You commit to something superficial. But don't we all like to prove that we're pretty good people? You know? Well, you know what it kind of, you, you read it and you're like, you know, well, what's wrong with love? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean and there there is glory. Second Corinthians three says that there's, there's glory, glory on the in the law. old in, on the old covenant. There, fading away, fading glory. glory, fading glory. But I mean, you can you can hear the type of message that kind of beats you up yeah. and, and and pulls something out of you, something that makes you want to strive to do better yeah. and create some sort of uh, standard that you can use either against yourself yeah. or or unfortunately sometimes against other people, and then you can kind of feel good about it, right? And, and, and Jesus is like, you know what? There's actually something. The righteousness of God is something so much higher. So much. So much bigger, so, so much, much brighter. Better. It's the God kind of righteousness. So and true. it only comes as a gift. So true. It can never be earned. So the Old Testament, our standard of love is how we would like to be treated. It says, treat your neighbor as you'd like to be treated. So the standard is, hey, treat other people the way you'd like to be treated. Like, that's a pretty ridiculously weak standard, right? I mean, but in the New Testament, it says we base our standard of love on how Jesus loved us. So Jesus, in the upper room, he said, this is my commandment because the new covenant has new commandments. The old covenant had commandments, but the new covenant has new commandments. So it's like there's some people are trying to do the new covenant with the old commandments. Let's bring the old commandments into the new covenant. That's what was freaking Paul out in Galatians. He's going, no! And Paul said, I was perfect. I mean, I was blameless with the commandments. And yet he said, I consider all that, that whole life of, of you know, self-performance and self-worth and, and proving myself. He says it's rubbish. In fact, the word he used was, it is poo-poo is what he meant. He said that whole life of striving to prove myself was absolute rubbish. So look at that. Look at the standard exactly what it says. Love one another as I have loved you. I love the word as. Love one another as I have loved you. Because for me, that, that's, that's, that's a call to something much more than just kind of looking yeah. in the Bible and finding different examples from Jesus' life. Yeah. That, that's, that's a word of power. True. That, that's, that's a word that says, you know what, yeah. the actual, the same love that Jesus had, right. the, the love that's pulsating yeah. in his heart right now yeah. is something that I have access to by the Spirit of yeah. God. And I get to love other people with the living, vibrant, real affections of Jesus True. alive in my heart right now. So I get to love as. And I think it's in Romans 5, I think, where it says that the love of God is shed abroad in our in hearts heart. by, the Holy, Spirit. by the Holy Spirit. So now there's a, there's a new kind of love. And it's not just a, here's what love looks like, go copy it. Yeah. It's a, no, no, love is now alive and vibrant in your heart by yeah. the Holy Spirit. And God is to... love. So God. I got God. God. I got the love of God, the yeah. lover of all things, and his love shed abroad in my heart. And so I mean, nice. it's so good, right? So you know what is really hard to do? It's hard to give away what you don't possess. True. 
But you know, when you come to the Lord and you accept him, his love, his life floods your heart. And then I'm, I'm not trying to be a nice person. I have the person of Christ. I have the, the Godhead. I've got that same spirit in me. And I'm not trying to perform something. I'm manifesting as an outworking of natural fruit. It's an organic, just happens in my life because I'm led by the spirit. It's not something I'm trying to attempt in my flesh. Some people say, you know, you know we got to stay away from the deeds of the flesh. Well, here's a deed of the flesh, trying to love somebody with your love instead of letting the love of God in and through you love somebody. That is equally the flesh. And I mean, people are trying to do good stuff in the flesh is flesh, and it's eating from the wrong tree. It's eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good and evil, which is what caused the problem in the start. You've got to be restored to, and you've got to drink from, and you've got to feed from the tree of life and the river of his delights. So let's pop on. You ready? So you see, there's a massive difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on doing the works of the law are under a curse. All who rely on doing the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, cursed is everyone who does not keep on doing everything written in the book of the law. 613 commands. I mean, there's blood sacrifices, there's, there's moral law, ceremonial law, all those things. So you're saying that, that, you know, I'm cursed because I'm not doing all those things. Now, some people say, well, through the cross, you don't have to bring the sacrifices, you don't have to bring the ceremonial stuff, but the moral law comes through. Mm. I don't believe the moral law comes through either because the moral law then would mean that I am still the one trying to perform. In the new covenant, it's Christ and his life, his mind, his heart, his power. It's Christ in me is the hope of realizing the glory of God. So it, we can't bring that through. It is right. I mean, it is right. The moral law is right. But the source of the fulfillment is not me looking at external things, trying to do them. It's me living out of a union with Christ where it's his life performed in me. And it's gotta be, you gotta, gotta, gotta get it. You gotta, gotta get it. Can I get an amen, Zach? Amen, Pastor. Stealing. Stealing was oh, bad under the old it was covenant. Bad. Still it's bad. Still, Paul still says, bad. don't steal. Work with your own hands. Right. So stealing on both sides both of the covenant. Sides. Both sides yep. of the divide. Do not steal. True. Difference being old covenant. I got to work really hard to not steal. If, yeah. I, if I struggle with that, I've got an impulse in me to steal something. I just want to swipe somebody's toilet paper or right. something. Right. I just want to yeah. grab it. Well, you know that I, that's on me. I got to yeah. work really hard not to do that. Yeah. That that's what not stealing looks like in the old covenant. Right. In the new covenant, though, I've got a generous spirit. I've right. got the love of God in my yeah. heart. And stealing, it's it's not something that resonates inside doesn't of even, me. Doesn't even pop up. I get to live out of the Boom. divine nature that I've been yes. made a partaker of. That's right. And there's no stealing in the new in covenant. The we live under the royal law of love. Love. Come on. You know, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to sleep with his wife. True. I mean, adultery is wrong on both sides of the covenant. True. But you know, it, it doesn't happen if, if love and being led by the Spirit and the fruit and the nature of the Spirit is, is blossoming in your life. I mean, these things aren't there because you're focused on, your mind is mm -hmm. set on the things of God and not on the flesh. So it, it's really not complicated. You're under a curse. Curse is everyone who doesn't do, do the whole thing. So if you think you're going to try to fulfill a bit of it, wrong. You got to do all of it. And it says, curse is anyone, anyone who relies on the works of the law. Galatians 2.16. Yet we we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. This is the new, uh, new English translation, a fairly new translation, but I love it. Yeah. Because it says, yet we know that no one is justified by the works of love, but by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. A lot of translations say by, the f by, by faith in Christ. Yeah. So by faith in Christ, which means that I'm fulfilling it by my faith in Christ. That's yeah. at least the way it seems or the way it sounds. But I love this translation because it says the works of the law, you're not justified 
justified by the works of the law, but we're justified by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Can you tell me the difference? Well, sometimes faith can be a work. Yeah. Sometimes you, you know, we were talking about that meter earlier. Sometimes you can, uh, you know, how's my faith today? Is it up? Is it down? Do I feel like it's good? Do I, you know, maybe I'm having a bad day and I'm struggling. Oh no, my faith's not right. Or maybe I've just become aware of something. You know, I've had an argument with my wife or something and and, and then I'm like, oh no, I'm not feeling great right now. My faith doesn't seem like it's at its peak. Well, this says that almost doesn't matter in a sense because of the faithfulness of Jesus. It's his faith. And I step into the fact that Jesus was perfectly faithful to all of the law. He was perfectly faithful. He fulfilled every obligation on my part. And I can constantly draw from that. Yeah. And actually in those moments when I feel like my faith is 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 weak or or I feel like I'm not flying high in faith. Yeah. You know what I do to get back into faith, Pastor, is I realize that it's, it's the faithfulness of Jesus. Yes. It's the faith of Jesus. Isn't that great? It's so, so I, good. I'm not justified based on the quality of my faith. True. I'm justified Mom. based on the quality of his faithfulness. Amen. He believed for me. He did. And I Isn't get to step amazing? into that. See, I would high five you, but I can't because we're so Right. Right. So air high five. Air high five. Jesus. I'd give you an air hug too, but you know, I know that's awkward. Introvert. Introvert. All right. Okay. But look at this. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by the faithfulness of Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one, no one. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. You got to understand what side of the covenant you're on. You got to understand you are a new covenant believer and you got to live out of that reality. And there's a lot of mixture in the body of Christ. There's a lot of mixture today. There's a lot of people crying out old covenant prayers, trying to get a God out of heaven to deal with this pandemic. God is out of heaven. Christ is in you. He has flooded you and through you out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water and healing and power and you need to take authority and you need to speak to your circumstances and your world because in Jesus' name, God has empowered you to be his agent of hope, his agent of change, his agent of reconciliation in the world. It's a big deal, but you won't do that if you're ignorant of what's ignorant Ignorant, that was good, eh? Ignorant. Ignorant of the covenant you live in. First Timothy 1, 8, 9, but we know that the law is good if someone uses it legitimately. See, the problem with the law is it is good. Like Zach said, stealing is wrong. I mean, you know, honoring your mother and father, that's good. I mean, there's a lot of good things. There's, there are laws, a lot of good commands, has glory on it, but it's a fading glory because there's a new glory coming, the glory that goes from glory to glory and ever-increasing glory, and that's through Christ Jesus. So legitimately, it says you got to use the law legitimately, realizing that the law is not intended for a righteous person. So Zach, is the law intended for me? Uh, no. No, Why not. is that? Because Jesus has made you righteous. Yes. He is himself your righteousness. Absolutely. So this is not for you. Not the for me. The law is not for you. So that's why it becomes so important. I think Paul told Timothy, right? He said, you know, you got to rightly divide the word of God. And failing to rightly divide the word of God, it can bring shame. Shame. And, and the reason why it brings shame is it leaves you analyzing yourself. And it leaves you feeling like you're inadequate. And somehow you haven't come up to the standard yet. Right. And, uh, and the reality is, though, that because I've been united together with Jesus, because he's become my righteousness. Yeah. I'm a righteous person and I don't need to apply the law to myself. Right. Its purpose has been fulfilled in my life. Boom. When I let the law take me to Jesus. Yes. When I let it lift my eyes up to Jesus off of myself and up to him, then the law has been fulfilled in my life. It's not even that I think that it's unimportant. It fulfilled its purpose. Fulfilled. It took me to Jesus who has become my righteousness. So an illegitimate use of the law would be to try to use the law on believers to make them better people. So true. 
So true. And to, to try and, uh, well, we talked about being justified. Well, you know what? Sometimes I think we've all, for the most part, most of us have nailed down that none of us are getting to heaven by our own good works. Right. But sometimes, sometimes there's that subtle distinction that says, okay, I'm not saved by my good works, but I might get a blessing. Yes. I might be financially prospered. Right. I might get to work a, yeah. a, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I might yeah. get to. I might have a, a gift of healing or something yeah. if I if I apply. And sometimes these these laws get subtly turned into principles. Right. They get turned into uh, steps. Yep. You know, the six steps to get the blessing of God right. in your life, or the three things you got to do in order to kick COVID out of the world, right. or something like that. Right. I, I got the ten ways to get rid of COVID nineteen. Yeah. There's Sounds one like way. A book. The finished work of the cross. So true. You, Amen. It's you done. could probably sell that, though, if you had it. There's okay. people line up for it. But it's so. an illegitimate use to use the law mm -hmm. to try to have behavior modification. And yet that happens so much. It says, for the law was not intended for a righteous person, but a lawless and rebellious people, ungodly and sinners. And it goes on and on and on. Folks, you're not a sinner. You're not even a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint of the most high God. If you say you're a sinner, then guess what? Sinners sin. If you came to me and said you're a plumber, I would expect that you work on people's pipes. If you said you're an electrician, then I would figure you pull wires. If you're a sinner, then you must sin. I'm not a sinner. I'm a saint. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we got to know that. There is a right use for the law, but that is to bring you to Christ, the right use for the law. And that's why Beatitudes and the, the, uh, the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, much of that was Jesus teaching under the law to bring people to a place of desperation going, God, help help me because nobody could do that on their own. So that's important stuff. So we got to move along. Romans 3, 19 to 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped. That means everybody be quiet. Everybody shush. Every single person in the globe, shush. The law tells you to be quiet, that every mouth may be stopped and that the whole world may become guilty before God. But God wants everybody to realize you are in desperate need so that he can introduce in the face of your desperate need, I got the answer. My son and I are gonna cut a covenant with each other and in the face of that covenant, we're gonna deal with every obstacle in your life so that everything has been removed that hinders you from being my child and I will reconcile you to myself through faith not just through faith, but through my faithfulness, which is so good, so good. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. It even says the power of sin is the law. If you want to get people to stop sinning, pastor, teach them the law. No, it says if you want to get people to continue sin and teach the law, because the power of sin is the law. The law doesn't provide the answer for it. It actually raises the problem. So, sorry, Zach, Galatians 3, 19 and 22, why? Why then was the law given? But the scriptures, law, the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so that we might receive God's promise of freedom only by believing, only by believing in Jesus Christ. Can they get an amen? Amen. 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 All right, Wayne Grudem. Christian ethics. I mean, this guy is a, a significant theologian. He's not a lightweight. He's a real good guy. But he said it is important to realize that the author of Hebrews is not saying that some old covenant laws are no longer binding on Christians, such as sacrificial laws or purity laws. For example, he is not saying that some old covenant laws are no longer binding on Christians. Wow, pastor, what are you saying then? Read on. But he is saying that the old covenant itself, the entire system of the laws that define the relationship with God 
and his people is no longer in effect. He's not saying some of it gets to come through. He's saying all of it is abolished and all of it is disallowed to come through. All of it. So it's so important you understand that transition. Hebrews 8, 13, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. Help me out, Zach. Well, obsolete. That's a pretty powerful obsolete. word. Obsolete. Yeah. Wow. That means just completely done. It, it, it has no power, no effect. It's not working anymore. It, it's defunct. It, it's not something we should hold on to. It's not something that we should try to repurpose. It, it's literally now of no, no use and no value at all. And uh, all of it. The moral law, the ceremonial law. All of it. All of it. Even the fact that I'm wearing different types of clothes. Boom. Wow. That's right. Wow. Look at this. <laughs> Old shoes. My wife wants me to show them out, but I keep them for cutting the lawn. But these are old shoes. I got new shoes. And these new shoes have made the old shoes obsolete. I'm not going to wear those out in public anymore because that's just silly. I do wear them to cut the grass. said, honey, you got to hang on to it to cut the grass. But Cheryl wanted to throw these out because those are the old shoes. We got the new shoes. But you know something? When I put on the new shoes, they're not quite as comfortable as the old shoes. And that's really weird about people. Is there some people that right now you're wiggling a little bit. You're like... You know, you're so used to being a law keeper and you're so used to have heard that taught to you for years that you're actually more comfortable hearing that. And it's a little weird. It's a little jagged. It's causing a little lump on my toe because uh, this is new. I've never been this way before. And you know what? It's new. It's a new covenant. We got new shoes and it's time to get on the new train. Amen. 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 Can I get amen? Amen. All right. Another quote, another fellow, Thomas Schreiner, 40 questions about Christians and biblical law. Paul argues that the entirety of the law has been set aside now that Christ has come. To say that the moral elements of the law continue to be authoritative blunts the truth that the entire Mosaic covenant is no longer in force for believers. It blunts the truth. It's powerful stuff. Yeah. It's very powerful. And again, it's, it's, a, it's a question of power. It's a question of ability. It's no longer, you know, me loving in my own strength, power and ability. Yeah. But something different has come. Something totally different. Love, love's still important. Yeah. But now I've got the power of God at work inside of me. And that's the danger of, of trying to, to keep alive this obsolete system. Yes. It's, it's, it's keeping Once. alive my best efforts. Yeah. It's keeping alive the struggle. And ultimately, that leads to frustration, failure, and burnout. How disappointed do you think it is for God when he says there was a religious system designed to bring you to me? There was a religious system designed to bring you to my son and to bring you and open your eyes that I'm going to do something for you once and for all. And we hang on to the old. We hang on to those old stinky shoes. And we try to continue a fresh new relationship with God based on the old stinky system. We can't do it. It blunts. I, I think it's offensive when God provides something in his own son. He, the Godhead itself, cuts a covenant for us to bring us into the fullness of the promise and every blessing. And yet we insist on bringing these other things through the cross. It blunts. I like the way he said that. It blunts the truth. It blunts it. All right. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift of God. Romans 4.16, for this reason it is by faith so that it might be by grace. It's by faith so that it's all grace. It has nothing to do with you. It's you simply embracing the gracious desire of God for you. And the promise comes simply by that. Romans 6.14, for sin will have no mastery over you. Sin will have no mastery over you. When will that happen, Pastor? When will sin have no mastery over me? It will have no mastery 
mastery over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. See, if you think you're still under the law, that's why you struggle with sin. Sin has no mastery over you when you acknowledge, I'm not under the law, but I'm under grace. So you need new birth, not behavior modification. That's what Jesus said to the lawyer, Nicodemus, the, the scholar. He said to him, Nicodemus was like, I don't get this new birth thing. Do you want me to? Nobody can crawl back into his mother's womb. Once you're born, you can't be reborn. He said, you need to be born again of the spirit. And he said, there's something that needs to happen. He says, why are you surprised when I say you must be born again? Because Nicodemus, if you're a scholar of the law, the law said, Ezekiel said it, Jeremiah said it. There's a time coming, look for it, when you can get a new heart and a new mind that God himself would give you a new spirit and he'd place not the old covenant laws in your heart, but he's going to place the new covenant laws in your heart. He's not going to write the tablets of stone on your heart. He's going to write love because I loved you. He's going to, that's the things that's written on your heart. So, I mean, it's not, it's not behavior modification. You didn't have a behavior problem. You had a birth problem. You're born broken and you need to be born again. Now, Galatians 4, 21 to 30, I'm just going to refer to it and talk about it a little bit, but here's Paul. He's right over the top now because here's Paul who was an amazing Jew, an amazing legalist, an amazing scholar, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he knew how to do the law. But he's teaching these Gentiles, don't do the law. It's grace. It's simply grace. But then other teachers came in and started to drag them back into mixture. Can you say mixture? Zach, can you say mixture? Mixture. He brought them into mixture. He says, yeah, Jesus is good, but you still got to do all this other stuff. Paul lost it. And, and Paul explained to them what mixture was. And Paul went to the old covenant to teach new covenant truth. And he said, Abraham had two sons. He had two wives. And he said they were symbolic. So when the old covenant is taught in the new covenant, we got the right interpretation of it. But there was Hagar and there was Sarah. Hagar represented the law. Sarah represented grace, the new covenant. It's says there was two mountains. There was Mount Sinai and there's Mount Moriah. The tip of Mount Moriah, the top of Mount Moriah is Golgotha. It's the place where the cross was. It, it, it's, it's Zion. It's Mount Zion. It's, it's the grace of God. It's the finished work of God. And he talks about these two. And uh, they lived together in the same house. They were living together in the same house, Zach. And then it says when, when it was time for Isaac to be weaned, it says that, that Hagar and, and Ishmael were, were mocking and when Sarah saw them mocking, he said, we got to get rid of them. We got to get rid of them. And Abraham was like, I'm sad about that. I mean, I'm, I'm sad about this. It says they were persecuted in a hostile manner. But it says, now, nevertheless, the scriptures say, cast out the bondwoman and her son. So Sarah said, we got to get rid of them, Abraham. And Abraham said, no, no, we don't need to do that. I mean, come on. We can both live together. We can cohabitate. We can have this mixture in our world. And he said, no. And then Abraham went and talked to God. And God said, Sarah's right. Grace is right. Sarah stands for grace, Abraham and faith. And what Sarah's saying is right, that you got to get rid of, and it says here, it's symbolic of, you got to get rid of Mount Sinai. What do you got to get rid of? You have to get rid of the law. And what Paul is saying is you cannot have the law and grace under the same roof. You can't have it. You're in a new covenant. It has fallen on this side. It flows on the grace side. Everything flows on the grace side. You cannot fall on the other side. There is a great divide. Everything is shifted. Everything is changed. And you're in a new covenant. And that new covenant is not law keeping. That new covenant is the law of love. It's the law of the grace of God. It's the gospel, the good news of the grace of God that's flowing in your hearts and in your life. So that's really the biggest fact I want to make today, Zach. Anything to add to that? I had a couple more slides, but we're going to let that go.
No, that's just really powerful stuff. I like how it said in Romans six fourteen there, where he says the uh, uh, sin won't have dominion over you because right. you're not under the law. Not under the law. Uh, but you're under grace. You are. And, uh, you know, it's, reading the New Covenant sometimes, if you apply an Old Covenant filter to that, you can read verses like that. You can read about mixture, and you can, you can bring an Old Covenant lens. And when you read promises like that, that are actually positive statements about the grace and the power of God at work in your life, you can read them as a threat or a challenge. Yes. And that's the problem. Yeah. The reality is, is that we've actually been given a new birth. Right. And it's not a question of preference. Right. You know, it's not, do, do I prefer to have a little bit of light? You literally yeah. cannot have you law. You cannot. You cannot. It doesn't Don't work. do it. The water goes one one side or the, or other. the other. So, Boom. so I mean, you, you might think that you're kind of doing this delicate dance and you need to have this little bit of balance. You can't do it. There's no, no such thing as balance no. in law and grace or, or no. what they say, grace and truth. You're, you're, you're in one or you're in the other. Right. And thank you, thanks, Jesus, thanks to Jesus. I mean, he's raised us up into a, into a life based on his grace and power. Yes, he Come came. On. It's his grace and faithfulness that came. It's his grace, truthfully. It's his grace in full reality has come. Now listen, if you're watching today and you, you tuned in or, or even if you watch a little later, uh, I want you to know right now that you can by faith, you can just accept Jesus right now. That grace is a gift to you. It's not something you earn. If you're troubled by the things that are happening today, if you're, you're concerned about what's happening in the world and you wonder what's going on, let me know. Let not your heart be troubled. We can believe on him. You can believe on the Lord. And it's a very, very simple act. It's a gift. And what do you do? You receive the gift. And the gift of salvation, the gift of reconciliation with God is simply believe. So you believe on your heart. Believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. And believe in your heart that he took care of your sin. He dealt with all that. Accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you'll be reconciled with God once and for all. And trust me, just like Nicodemus said, you can't be reborn. Once you're born again, you're born again once and for all. That can't be taken away from you. Can't be improved on. You are a child of God in every single way because you believe and you receive salvation today. So I ask you now just to receive Jesus in your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for all that you did for me. Let your peace, let your reign, and your rule flood my life now and forever. In Jesus' precious name, amen. What's happening next, Zach? What's going on? Well, at 1140, we have a Next Steps class. Awesome. So uh, we'd, we'd love to see you online. You can go to impactlondon.ca to our website, and you'll see uh, on the front screen, there's a, there's a, a Next Steps button that you can push. Uh, a good way to prepare for that is go download the Zoom app. Zoom. And uh, you'll see us online at 1140. But uh, Next Steps is a great way just to learn a little bit more about Impact Church, who we are, what we're all, what we're all about, and we really want to get to know you and, and what you're all about. We want to we be able to talk about how we can connect together even in these difficult times we can still stay connected in some really powerful ways we can so let us know how it's going i'm having fun being able to do this with somebody just one talking head speaking to you would be boring but right now we're going to release you guys and uh the live stream is going to end but if you go to facebook live the stream is going to continue there's going to be a live feed and we're going to the post service time so right now the camera you're going to watch it it's going to be amazing it's going to get picked up right now there it is it's getting picked up and it's actually going to be run over to the office section in our building where they're going to carry on with the post-service time. So God bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. I give you thanks and praise for it all. I release the camera to go, to run, to be free, to head out. 
And uh, we just thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your grace. God bless you guys. Love you. Stay in touch. Go to our YouTube site. Go to all those fine things. Plug in in every way. More information coming. Small group, Zoom. Say Zoom, right, Zach? Zoom. Zoom. The Zoom app. Get the Zoom app because this week a lot of things coming. Wednesday night, we're having a leadership meeting, an information meeting. You're all invited, and you'll get an email, and please Zoom in. And we can have a whole lot of people Zooming in for that. So we'd love to have you there. Going to talk about our move, talk about some transitions that we're in as a church and they're going to share some leadership things and how we're going to do small groups and how the church is still growing even through a pandemic that is causing incredible isolation but god bless you because this thing is coming to a conclusion and we're going to come out of it in acceleration mode so bless you love you say thanks to sue just me and sue and zach in this great big room but we love you bunches. Can't wait to just celebrate in a big time together. So have an awesome day. Hopefully you've gone over and joined the after service party in Jesus' name. Bless you.